Welcome to Free For All Fridays on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. And I'm your host for the day, Tamara Cherry, coming at you from the snowy prairies. Regina, Saskatchewan is where I am at. And this is Free For All Friday. I'm filling in for Amanda Galbraith, who is at home taking care of her new baby. Our panelists for the day, Robert Benzie, Queen's Park Bureau Chief for the Toronto Star, and Sharon Cower, political commentator and former Deputy Chief of Staff to Bill Morneau. Welcome to you both. I I don't know what we're going to talk about today. I I don't know. I mean, it's kind of awkward. We don't really have anything. Okay, so seriously, the, uh, the Emergencies Act inquiry with uh, Justin Trudeau on the stand today, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, I should say, uh, it just took the, the lunch break at the perfect time, you guys. I think they said they're getting an hour and two minutes. So all of our listeners know that they're not missing anything uh, before we hop right into it. And I do want to hop right into it before we get to your commentary. I just want to get everyone caught up who might not have been listening as intently as we were this morning. So Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, as I mentioned, is testifying at the public inquiry into his government's decision to invoke the Emergencies Act. The responsibility of a prime minister is to make the tough calls and keep people safe. And this was a moment where the collective advice of cabinet, of the public service, And my own inclination was that this was a moment to do something that we needed to do to keep Canadians safe. Prime Minister Trudeau took a moment to reflect on what could happen if he did not sign it. What if the worst had happened in those following days? What if um, someone had gotten hurt? What if a police officer had been uh, put in a hospital? Uh, What if... uh, When I had an opportunity to do something, I had waited. All the what-ifs, Prime Minister Trudeau also spoke about the protest itself. But it was clear that it wasn't that they just wanted to be heard. They wanted to be obeyed. They wanted us to change public policy, public health policy designed uh, to help Canadians and we're going to occupy uh, locations across this country and interfere with the lives of Canadians until such a decision was taken. Trudeau says he and his political staff were concerned about the so-called Freedom Convoy protest even before the first demonstrators and trucks started to arrive in Ottawa in late January. The concern, of course, was based on the anger that they witnessed during the 2021 federal election and appeared to show a disconnect with what police were expecting at the time. The useful conversations around the Emergencies Act started on February 10th when I asked the question, okay, what are the extra tools that we would need to bring in, either through legislation or through regulation or in various ways or through the Emergencies Act, that we don't actually have now? Okay, so let's just jump right into this. Rob Benzie, Sharon Carr. I mean, Rob, let's let's start with you because you and I were chatting offline uh, before the show started, and you said your eyes have been glued to glued to this inquiry yeah. all morning. I heard a very strong message from the Prime Minister today that police did not, Ottawa police in particular, did not have their crap together and didn't yeah. seem to have a plan. And it, it seems that the blame is going towards them. What was what has your take been so far? Because he's not done yet. Yeah, I think the Prime Minister showed us this morning, Tamara, that he did not go into this lightly, that he took this very, very seriously. He got a lot of advice from a lot of people. 
When the head of CSIS is telling you this is a, a threat to national security, uh, you take that seriously. And I think he took it seriously. The, uh, the, the head of the public service, the clerk of the Privy Council said this, the, the, that it met the test to invoke the Emergencies Act. Now, Trudeau said he could have not signed it. I thought it was interesting tomorrow that he actually did something politicians rarely do uh, in public and, and talked about hypothetical questions. And what if I hadn't done that, that clip that you played? Um, I, I, think, I think that it was a strong moment for him I mean, we have to remember this in context. This is the, a capital city of a G7 country that was occupied by protesters for three and a half weeks. Does anyone seriously think that if protesters had done the same thing in Washington or Berlin or London or Rome or Paris, that they wouldn't have been tear gassed and tow trucks there within an hour or two? I mean, this is how crazy it is that we're looking back on this as did, was Trudeau too rash? I think if anything, you could argue they didn't move quickly enough. Three and a half weeks for the capital city of a G7 country? I don't know. Yeah, and you know, it's funny you you, you mentioned the how perhaps the United States might have reacted. We already know from testimony of uh, Deputy Prime Minister and Finance Minister Christian Freeland earlier this week that uh, she did have members of the American administration breathing down her neck. In particular, they were worried about the economic crisis that could come with the blockade at the Ambassador Bridge. Uh, Sharon, what are what are your thoughts? I'll just leave it everything on the table for you. Yeah, I think just like everyone else, um, I have been glued to this, um, probably way too glued to this because it's, if anything, I think this entire um, inquiry has shown some flaws on the front of the Freedom Convoy. I think the Prime Minister today was extremely strong in what he said. And a lot of people have said this as well. So like we've seen, this went on for just over three weeks. The Emergency Act had to be utilized because I think we saw a great level of incompetence coming out of the levels of police jurisdiction here. And I kind of agree with Benzie. Why not sooner? I understand that there's this argument around threshold and whether or not the legal threshold was met to take away certain aspects of people's um, charter of rights, such as bank accounts and shutting those things down. But three and a half weeks in a G7 country to have a, this was not a protest. This was like a carnival. People were sitting outside with hot tubs, cooking hot dogs, literally just causing ruckus. Like this was not a protest. This was not peaceful for the people who lived here. I think what the prime minister said was completely right. And I don't think we should underplay the issue around cross-border trade and what what this did to that. I think um, Deputy Prime Minister Freeland mentioned this when she spoke yesterday, that a single car crosses the border six times before it lands up where it does. So this was causing an issue there. It was causing an issue everywhere. I quite frankly think that they should have invoked it sooner um, because we became an international joke. Yeah, you know, I really don't disagree with you. And I, I, I couldn't help but feel this week, um, you know, you can, you can, you know, you can criticize some of what some of the ministers said this week if you want. But when it all came down to it, it felt like this was one of the first weeks of rational conversation, especially for anybody who was tuning into the protesters who were, were on this. Rob, do you, th- do you think that this is going to play well for the government just having them go last, having the prime minister go last? Well, I mean, it's not insignificant tomorrow when a prime minister testifies at a public inquiry. This doesn't happen very often. You think back to Paul Martin, you and I were talking about that in the Gomery inquiry. Uh, that's, that's 17 years ago. Um, I think, uh, I think that, that it, this, it shows the seriousness of it. We should, be, we should treat it seriously. When you ha- have a government that declares uh, an emergency like this, uh, it's a rare occasion. This was the first time they used this particular act. Of course, Mr. Trudeau's father 
uh, famously or infamously, depending on which side of the political uh, spectrum you come from, uh, invoked the War Measures Act, which is the predecessor uh, legislation in 1970 during the uh, FLQ crisis in Quebec. And that, mm-hmm. was a, that was a very different kind of a scene. That was martial law in a whole province and people died, you know, I mean, there were, it was, there was a terrorist cell. This is a different kind of a situation. However, I think that, that, that it shows the seriousness of the occasion that we have this inquiry and, and, you know, it's been six weeks of testimony. This last week though, has been the most serious week because you've had government ministers explaining the thinking. It isn't people doing a fishing expedition. And, you know, I mean, we could talk about the convoy lawyers, you know, uh, flight of fancy and some of the yes, craziness that, that they've been yeah, saying. Okay. <laughs> Sharon, I, take that. Actually, Sharon picked yeah, that Sharon, one up. Yeah, you just got Sharon, a minute yeah. left. Okay, Go honestly, I, I, I don't, I don't want to turn this into Comedy Central here, guys, but um, I do. I, I'm, I am absolutely completely astonished. If anyone, anyone who's out there is a producer, a writer for a TV show, someone needs to be following this uh, Brendan, what's his name, Miller, the lawyer who works for the, uh, Miller, who is the lawyer for the convoy, because I thought his cuckoo banana talk about labeling a Toronto conservative lobbyist or a PR person as the individual carrying the Nazi flag, and then yesterday chasing another Ottawa liberal lobbyist across the hall claiming that was him. Like, I'm sorry, where did this guy go to law school? And quite frankly, who is paying him to represent them? Because this is like an episode of Veep, just waiting I, okay, to be I was written. just going to say that. Literally <laughs> exactly. last night, for the first time in a long time, I watched Veep, and I was on the episode of The Inquiry. And anyway, we're coming up again. I was just about to say that, Sharon. We are so on the same page. Okay, we've got a lot more coming up after the break. We are heading to Qatar. Should we be celebrating a win that wasn't actually a win? Back to Free For All Fridays on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. And I'm Tamara Cherry filling in for host Amanda Galbraith. Our panelists today, Robert Benzie, Queen's Park Bureau Chief for the Toronto Star, and Sharon Carr, political commentator and former Deputy Chief of Staff to Bill Morneau. Did you guys watch the the World Cup game, Canada's return to the World Cup? Sharon, Oh, yeah. I'm about to show you what a nerd I am. Uh, no, I am the last person who should be talking about soccer, despite there being a bunch of really attractive men kicking around balls on television. So I will, okay. I will leave this up. Sharon, I, I didn't watch it either, but we were talking about it on the show when I was hosting. Was it yesterday that I was hosting News Talk Today? I, I don't even remember. Um, and so I, I did a lot of homework. and I listened to a lot of soccer podcasts and stuff, analyzing everything because I had just read the headlines. But essentially what we're talking about today is, you know, we lost, we lost our, our first game back in the World Cup in a million gazillion years for, for our men's team. Lost 1-0, but a lot of people are celebrating this loss saying what we deserve to win. So before we, before we get into the question of whether we should be celebrating this, um, I just want to discuss the message that the ho, uh, sorry, that rather that the coach John Herdman had for, well, this is him commenting on the message that he had for the team in uh, center field right after they lost the game. I just showed them the stats. I just showed them they belong here. Told them they belong here. And we're going to go and F Korea, Croatia. That's as, as simple as it gets. You know, that's that's our next mission now. We're going to go F Croatia. Of course, they're going to be playing Croatia uh, in their second game of the match, or the second game uh, on Sunday, I believe. 
And here he is, one day letter, Kurt, John Herdman, explaining what he meant after some backlash, which, which I'm going to get to in a second, uh, saying that the ruthless approach is part of this new Canadian team. Yeah, I mean, I mean, no disrespect to uh, the Croatian team and Croatian people, but at the end of the day, it's a mindset that Canada's going to have to have if we're going to have three points against one of the top teams in the world. And it's the mindset we took to Belgium. We have to. It's, um, it's part of new Canada. So his comments, though, were too little too late for at least one Croatian tabloid. Somebody tweeted out a picture of the front page today of what appears to be a naked John Herdman with a tiny little maple leaf over his frontal private areas and a big maple leaf over his mouth and the headline, you have the mouth, but do you have the, can we say balls on Oh, we can radio? say balls, come on. As well, okay, but I don't know, I don't know. I'm a TV person and that would never go over in the, the oh, dinner. Soccer balls, it's soccer balls. Soccer balls yes, as well. Exactly. Okay, so first of all, that's just a little bit of fun. Um, but first, Rob, you watched the game. Uh, you know, John Herdman, when he was referring to it, I just showed them the stats. Of course, he's talking about the fact that they outshot Belgium by a really, really long shot that, you know, if not for that missed penalty goal, they they probably would have won. And and had they gotten the penalties that they wanted, they probably would have won. So what what's your takeaway? Is this something to be celebrated, the show that we saw earlier this week? Yeah, it certainly is tomorrow. I mean, I, I'm a big soccer fan, and this is a good team. Uh, Canada, and they played very well. They outplayed, actually, Belgium. Belgium's the second-best team in the world uh, by ranking. Uh, They're led by Kevin De Bruyne, who's one of the greatest players in the world, plays for Manchester City. Uh, I'm a Manchester United fan, so I don't like Kevin De Bruyne, so I was really hoping that that he wouldn't play well, and he actually didn't play that well. Um, But uh, other than Alfonso Davies missing the penalty, which was hard luck, and, and it can happen. Look, some of the best players in the world Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo has missed penalties. He, he got one uh, yesterday, but I mean, he's missed them in the past. So it happens to even the best players. It's not a But, but he was the best player on the team, but he, he not the considered that lethal yeah. finisher. So should he have even been yeah. taking that shot? Or well, I, mean, and that's, that? I mean, there's a lot of Monday morning quarterbacking or whatever. The well, it's Friday, yeah, Friday afternoon quarterbacking. Friday, let's call it Friday, that. Friday, yeah, Friday afternoon uh, uh, quarterbacking. But I think, I think, the, the, the big thing is that wasn't Canada's only chance. They had a bunch of shots. They outplayed the Belgians and they showed that they belong on this, on this stage. And this is the biggest sporting tournament in the world. It's bigger than the Olympics. It's bigger than the Super Bowl. And I think uh, it show it was a great moment for Canada. We still have never scored a goal in, in world cup competition. We've only ever been in the 1986 world cup and we weren't very good back then. Um, but we're good now. And I'm not saying that they're going to necessarily go into the next round, but they can certainly, there's no reason why they can't uh, beat Croatia on Sunday. Croatia, of course, was in the World Cup final uh, not that long ago. So they're a good team, but I think we can, I think we can uh, beat them. And if they play like they did uh, the other night, um, the, uh, the other day, they will, uh, they can win. And I, and I think I, I like that Herdman, he's a tough cookie from northern england he's a geordie from newcastle and he is a tough guy and he's instilled a kind of uh winning mentality in this team that we have to have it can't be just oh we're grateful to be here we're just so lucky to be here no you've got to go in with some swagger and i think that's good and it's good for it's good for this great game in canada yeah you know sharon and any part of that of what you just heard does it get you excited at all about Soccer, I know you said you're the last person to be commenting on it, but I I hear 
Rob getting all riled up there. And I'm like, yeah, I got to watch the game on Sunday. Are you feeling that or no? You know, I think it's always, it's, it's always great when you have uh, that love for a sport and especially when it's your home team. Um, yeah. Like, you know what, if it's playing on in the background, I'm happy to, happy to watch it. I actually, I'm um, Googled just while we were sitting here, Googled the Croatian tabloid that uh, yes. put a picture of Herdman on the cover. <laughs> and I got to say, if you haven't seen it, folks, everyone needs to go Google it. Cause I would be mad if I was him for a variety of reasons, mainly because of the way they, um, I, there's a many, there's many subtle um, punches to the gut in this photo yes. that they did to him. Which the, is the, the tiny hilarious. little maple leaf over his frontal <laughs> super area. Tiny, super, super tiny, and the really big one on his mouth. And also, they, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he's going to want to walk around shirtless for a bit so that people can forget this tabloid image. I, I, I don't, I, I, I just don't think that he's the kind of guy that's going to be bothered by this. No, Let, I think it's worth Sports is one of the few places where you can really trash talk one another, different teams, different people, and kind of at the end of the day, not take take it personally. This is, like I always say, politics is a blood sport, and it, you take it to heart when people say mean things to you. But uh, in sports, it's like, it's fair game. So I don't think he's going to take it seriously. I think, if anything, he'll be somewhat flattered. Okay, wait a second. Let, let's just go back on that comment. Do do politicians take these things to heart when, when people say bad things about you? Um, It's hard not to. Like, listen, I, in my 15 years in and out of politics, um. I've always I've always looked at social media to see what people are saying, and I would get uh, like upset for what some things people are saying, mainly because like when people are continuously going to be kicking you in the gut, it's going to get you. I know a lot of them don't. I know my previous bosses are just like, why do you even look at social media? But um, mm-hmm. having now been on this side and even like reading our our message board here, seeing some of the comments that are coming in, it's like I think it's don't comedic now. <laughs> I think it's don't comedic. Why are you even looking at that? It's, it's Who comedic gave for you me. The password. It keeps me it's humble, like- <laughs> guys. It keeps me humble. But uh, it's um, I do. I think some politicians take it. We we've seen some of it. It's, it's a lot of it has to do with mental health and stuff too. Like people do take it to heart, and it's yeah. hard when you're in in the in the public eye usually so i suppose that with john herdman's comments then there there would be a whole lot of croatians potentially taking that to heart his f croatia comment and then yeah maybe he is i mean they didn't have they didn't have a a maple leaf over his heart so it's hard to gauge just how big it is but maybe he is taking it to heart rob uh what's what's your take on that is he going to be taking it to heart do you take it to heart as a journalist when people go after you on the news talk 1010 tech sport you know what? I, it, to Sharon's point, yeah, people are mean in politics too. I mean, they're mean to journalists. I think there there's a lot of uh, toxicity out there. But I, I mean, I I don't look at the social media comments very often when people are criticizing me, and I block a lot of people. Frankly, I think I've blocked around two thousand people on Twitter just because I'm I'm not if they're going to wow. be racist or homophobic or 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 nasty or misogynistic or whatever, or, or, you know, question the credibility of the Toronto star or my credibility, I, I block them because you know what, I don't need it in my bandwidth. I don't need, I don't need to waste my brain space with stuff like that because it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's just not, there's, there's no point. And I think a lot of people have taken a social media just because they, they're missing something else in their lives. You know, like, it's like, it's like, talk to your friends. I never understand this sort of thing of like, just attacking strangers. I mean, it's yes. just the weirdest, the weirdest thing, whether it's politicians. And frankly, you guys, you guys are both women. It happens way more to women. There's way more misogyny than there is uh, uh, hate towards men and, and, and way more to people of color. So that's, that tells you everything you need to know about who's, who's attacking who on social media. And it's well, basically, we... you know, racist, racists and dim and dimwits and sexists. Sharon, so, Sharon, you got like five seconds. Can we like, just as you're saying this, it's like, and again, I'm looking at this leader of this little message board and it's like, someone's like, cry babies. It's not cry babies. Oh that's my a comedic, God. Give me a guys. Break. Come on.
Give me a break. You cut. Whoever wrote that, you come on air. Tammy, right? Exactly. Okay, we'll be back after the break. I'm Tamara Cherry with Rob Benzie and Sharon Carr. And now more of Free For All Fridays on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. And I'm Tamara Cherry, joined today on Free For All Fridays with Sharon Carr, political commentator and former Deputy Chief of Staff to Bill Morneau, and Robert Benzie, Queen's Park Bureau Chief for the Toronto Star. Rob and I were just chatting offline with our technical producer, Tony, about the chat board and debating whether or not we should look at some of the messages on the chat board. And ultimately, (laughs) and I I think that this next segment will remind us, we've got more important things to think about than the uh, very, um, I don't even have a nice word to say for it, the very offensive comments that some people put online about us. So what we're talking about is all the sick kids, of course, in this country. I don't think any of us ever could have predicted that our next big health crisis in terms of you know, our hospital systems, the very infrastructure that we rely on to keep us safe and healthy and all that would be crumbling under the crush of sick kids everywhere. But at last, here we are. And with respiratory infections hitting the health system hard, you know, we're sort of facing a triple-demic, as it's been called, with RSV, uh, with the flu, and with COVID. Health Minister Jean of Jean John E. Duclos cannot talk today, guys, said Wednesday that more children need to get their COVID-19 and influenza shots to keep a lid on surging hospital admissions. So now is the time to get vaccinated and to be protected individually, but also in a family and in a work uh, environment. Duclos says that vaccination is key. Absolutely essential that people speak about vaccination. Vaccination is something that has made a huge difference in COVID-19, and we know it is particularly valuable right now as our children are suffering for all, from all sorts of respiratory viruses. Our pediatric, pediatric hospitals are overwhelmed. Our healthcare workers are very tired. So Sharon, what I think is interesting about this, I was chatting with our producer Sam this morning about this, that just yesterday or the day before yesterday, we were speaking with uh, an environmentalist who was commenting on the government's new climate change adaptation plan. I think it was called an adaptation plan, which did not focus on what we need to do to stop or slow down climate change, but rather how we adapt to it. So changing our, you know, the types of buildings that we're building, maybe buying back some houses that are in flood zones, that sort of thing. This this seems, I think it's going to sound like to a lot of people that this is an adaptation when there's a lot of parents who are angry out there saying, fix the broken system that we have. But are we at the point that we just need to, you know, give people a shake and say, get your kid the flu vaccine, you get yourself the flu vaccine, because if you if you did that, then we would have a third less people showing up at our emergency rooms. What, what do you make of the government's response this week? Well, yeah, you know, I think that, listen, this is my opinion, and this is probably going to really... Um trigger some of the trolls that are that are actually sending us notes right now in here but i'm of the view we've just gone through a pandemic of covid 19 and um i personally think that it is our duty as citizens as people as a neighbor to do our best as we can to ensure that even our younger generations now are not getting overtly sick as they are now like we were seeing kids i know a bunch of friends who have had to take kids into hospitals for respiratory um issues and 
have had seizures and are not seeing doctors for like 12 plus hours. I have a friend of mine in a yeah. Hamilton hospital who's newborn baby a month ago. Um, she got influenza and has been in the hospital for six days in the ER for three days. She is less than a month old. How terrifying is that? And and this comes back to folks saying, well, flu shots don't work. Influenza shots don't work. COVID shots don't work. Like, I am of the view I will shake everyone and anyone who tells me science is not um, real. And, like, uh, see, here we go. Someone just sent a message to Ian saying the kids are not being hospitalized because of COVID-19. I wish our government would stop pushing this false narrative. You and this individual here from London, Ontario, who is saying that this is what the problem is. This is my issue with, I would say, society as a whole now, especially post-COVID, is people are such in denial and we are seeing children suffering. Of course, COVID had to play with it. Of course, RSV has to mm-hmm. play with it. Our healthcare system is crumbling to pieces and yeah. it's because of this trickling effect. So these individuals here who are saying things like people are not being hospitalized because of COVID and it's our government who's pushing a false narrative, you are wrong and you're part of the problem. Like, And you're mm-hmm. not gonna, this person's not going to like that, but they are part of the problem. I, I would I would say that um, there is more to the problem. There is historical problems where they they we, we didn't have adequate infrastructure mm-hmm. in place to begin with. But the fact of the matter is that if more people were vaccinated against the flu, if more people were vaccinated against COVID, that would cut down on the strain that we're seeing. And your friend wouldn't be waiting. Oh, I don't know how long they waited to even be seen. I know you said yep. that they were in the ER for quite some time. But I, I, I saw somebody somebody's Twitter thread this morning about waiting for five plus hours in the ER and then going back and going home and then going back and being told that the wait was 20 plus hours, at least 20 hours to be seen. um, If you weren't absolutely, you know, the the sickest of the sick. Rob, I remember when the vac, when the pandemic first started early, early days, mid, mid March, 2020, thinking this is what's going to show anti-vaxxers the importance of getting vaccinated. See, like, it's not just about you. It's about all of us together, and it didn't really happen. Did the pandemic have any impact on you? I don't know if you were a regular flu shot guy or if you're even a flu shot guy now, but were you swayed either way by the pandemic and seeing the importance or non-importance of these things? No, I mean, I, I hasn't cha- it didn't change me in any way because I always believed in science and vaccinations. And Tamara, I'm, I'm so old that I remember getting the flu shot when you had to pay for it um, mm. before it was covered by the Ontario government. And I remember... Uh, working at when I worked at the Toronto Sun back in the 1990s, the Sun uh, used to pay for the flu shot, which I always thought was very smart on their part because you were you were you had a, they would have a, shoe, a flu shot clinic at 333 King Street in our in our new outside our newsroom because they figured if you got the flu shot, we'll pay for it, which was like mm-hmm. at that time I think it was 20 or 30 or 40 dollars, whatever it used to cost. Um, and it would it would make your w- workforce healthier. It's yeah. it's smart. I mean, I, I get my flu shot every year. Uh, I have my, had four shots of, of, of COVID uh, and I'm not eligible for a fifth shot. And will I get one? Yeah, because, I, because I've already had COVID and I, I didn't have to go to hospital because I was vaccinated. And I know there's a lot of talk about this and your, your text board will fill up with cretins and, and anti-vaxxers and other nitwits, you know, claiming that this is that this is, you know, up is down and down is up and all of that. But the, at the end of the day, Vaccines help get us out of this pandemic. Mm-hmm. And if you think otherwise, you really probably don't know much what we're talking about. Amen yeah. And, 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 sh- and go ahead, Sharon. Well, you know, it's, it's funny because like we're seeing all these comments that are coming in about like vaccines. And um, the one that I thought was a real compliment to the individual from Toronto who says, what am I listening to here? The view? Yes. Yes, you are. Um, but uh, <laughs> you know what? I had I, I'm a, just just like Benzie. I'm a strong believer in science. I've always gotten my flu shots. Um I had I got my COVID shot. I've had all my shots, and I got COVID. And I am so thankful and grateful that 
I did have the vaccines because even with the state that I had, I, I ended up in the hospital from um, low mm. oxygen levels and like fainting partially. So um, you know what? I will continue to get vaccinated. I, I think it's changed some of the ways that we we operate. But the biggest takeaway for me and how life has changed is how divided and quite frankly, misinformed people are around science um, through this whole pandemic. It's the fact that you have like all these people who are just like going on and on and on in here about like how it's not vaccines that help people don't get the flu shot. Previously, people used to have COVID. It was called the cold. Like these are the people that are part of the problem. And yes, I am. I'm saying that to you if you're a listener. And if you don't like what we're saying, maybe you shouldn't listen to us. But they're like, we got COVID twice. I didn't need the vaccine. Well, you know what would have happened if you didn't have the vaccine? It would have been a lot worse. Yeah, exactly. And and I, I, my husband's family in particular in Brazil, I mean, we have several people in his family who died from this virus before um, a vaccine was available. So I am with you there. It's interesting because I felt like after the, the vaccine mandates were lifted, I felt like some of the unity was coming back together. We weren't as divided. But then we hear earlier this week that they're planning a Freedom Convoy 2.0 for, for February. Sharon, any thoughts on that? Oh, dear God. Honestly, oh, dear you know what? God. Ottawa needs to needs to bring me in. I will come do this pro bono. I will handle the Freedom Convoy for you. I will make sure that no one like. I, honestly, I I was livid, absolutely livid, watching the Freedom Convoy for the first time. I don't need to see it a second time. It was a bunch of garbage. You did not need to like these people came to Ottawa trying to like get the prime minister removed from office. Like these are not educated individuals in some cases. So Rob, bring it on. Rob, bring we it be on. Invoking the emergency. We're in the wrong segment for this, but should we be invoking the emergency <laughs> act on day one next year? No, I think that I think I think that they Ottawa police will presumably have learned their lessons, and yeah. and you know what? When when people start parking illegally, give them tickets and tow them. And I can't. I've gotten tickets on my own street in downtown Toronto when I forget to move my car because oh yeah, they've got to move it onto the other side of the. So probably if, if two minutes after midnight. You know, I'm surprised know, that you weren't towed. We we got to end it there. We're up against the break. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I set us up for failure. After the break. Free for All Fridays continues on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. And I'm Tamara Cherry filling in for Amanda Galbraith today. We are joined by Robert Benzie, Queen's Park Bureau Chief of the Toronto Star, and Sharon Carr, political commentator and former Deputy Chief of Staff to Bill Morneau. And I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but Sharon, Jim Richards just sent me a text message during the break saying he loves you. He loves your comments. <laughs> so there you go. Thank you, because um, not everybody else is saying that. I'm, I'm having a nice... Don't look at that thing. No, I'm, I've made pen pals with a few of them, and now we're having like a dialogue, so I kind of feel like we're dating. So please send me more, guys. <laughs> I told Jim that I love you too. This is my first time being on a panel with you, but I hope we can do it again soon. Sorry, Rob. We love you. You already know that. Okay, let's get on to our next topic. The Quebec Restaurants Association is once again asking the government to allow its members to charge a fee to clients who make a reservation and don't show up. This fee could range from $5 to $25. Here's restaurateur Brent Laderoute. Something just to hold them accountable, just so they do show up and be the number that they say. Because in this industry, yeah, you're basing it huge on reservations. And if they make a reservation for 20 and 10 show up. Meanwhile, celebrity chef Chuck Hughes is torn about whether restaurants should charge for no-shows. What people think sometimes of restaurants that, you know, uh, this job is like, 
uh, that we're making money, and that's, it's 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 quite the opposite. Obviously, it's it's really a labor of love, and the margins are really thin. And to have a table of six, no show uh, on an evening is is really hard. That being said, am I ready to charge people because they didn't show up? I, I really don't know. Yeah, he he later went on to talk about how important it is to show up, especially if you're renting out half of the restaurant to not show up is a total a-hole thing to do, obviously. Rob, I was telling Sam this morning that my husband and I had reservations for like, say, six o'clock. And by 6.10, we were just getting out the door. We were five minutes away. And I called the restaurant and I said, we're on our way. Just just so you know, like, don't give her a table. And, and the woman was so touched, like, thank you for calling and letting us know. I'm like, do people not call? She's like, all the time. Are you a no-shower, Rob? Tell me you're not. Oh, my gosh, never. And I actually agree with this policy. I don't agree with it go- in being government policy, but I agree with that restaurant. If I owned a restaurant, and I go to a lot of restaurants, and I don't blame restaurateurs for saying, you sometimes, and we've had this thing where you have to give your credit card, yeah. especially you see it in New York. You're, not, you're seeing it a bit more in Toronto. And it's, sometimes it's $50 if it's a no-show. And I'm the same thing. If we're running late for a reservation, I phone too, Mara, and good for you and your husband for doing that because my wife and I do the same thing because it's part of my, it's like I have this guilty conscience. It's like if I wear brand new shoes in a shoe store, I think, oh, they're going to think I stole these shoes. I'm one of those like goody two-shoes, no pun intended, about that kind of stuff. Unintended, unintended. I also know how tough the, the restaurant business has had it these last few years during the pandemic. And I, I, I tip well and I always show up. And if I can't show up, I'm, I feel terrible about it. And I phone and I say, look, I'm sorry, I won't be there. Um, but that doesn't happen very often because I love going out. And I'm going out with my friends tonight. I have a reservation at a place in downtown Toronto with friends. And Look at you I'm, with that humble I'm, brag. No big deal. I'm, I'm, going out with friends tonight. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked that we're going to be going out, and I'm glad I was able to get a reservation. And you're going to be on time, right, Sharon? Uh, Rob is clearly my people. Are you my people on this? 100%. You know what? I've, like, I have a lot of friends who own restaurants and stuff in Toronto, and it's, it's actually pretty detrimental when people make reservations over and over and don't show up. It does impact their business. And you'll notice on a lot of um, these reservation apps like Open Table and Talk, they, they take credit cards now on, as a, to hold yeah. the table. A lot of them do. And, mm-hmm. and you need like 45, uh, like, they can need like 48 hours or 24 hours to cancel so they can do it. And I quite frankly, frankly think that that's totally fine by me. I go out of my way to make sure that I call them if I'm going to miss it or if I'm going to be late. I too had a reservation on, I think it was Thursday night and downtown Toronto traffic. I made the error of driving and couldn't find parking. And I was completely like mortified to be late. And I was about 20 minutes off and I called them and I messaged them and they were like, thank you for letting us know as long as you're going to be here and you're going to leave by seven o'clock. So the table can go to the next yes. person. We're totally fine with it. But like, these are people's businesses. Let's not screw around and not show yeah. up. It's not cool. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even think that it matters that we're just like working through a pandemic or coming out of a pandemic or or whatever heck the stage we're at right now. I I've actually have for talking about restaurants in Toronto. I I have a reservation for eight people in a Toronto restaurant next week and I recently found out that one of them can't make it and this conversation is actually reminding me that even though it probably won't change our table, I'm going to let them know we're now at 7 and not at 8. Yeah. That's a decent thing to do tomorrow. That's the decent thing to do because yeah, to Sharon's point, this is their business and they look at the tables. They've got to turn those tables a couple of times in a night. um, And, you know, you know, to get that many covers to cover the cost of food, their food costs have gone up. I was speaking to a restaurateur who was telling me that the price of uh, steak has jumped by something like 50 or 60%. That's Mm -hmm. a huge, huge, uh, 
uh, uh, thing for them to That's absorb. That's crazy. You know? Yep. And then everyone complains, oh, I could make this at home for less. Well, then stay home and make it at home then. Do it. I feel like we should really, we should start talking about the tipping thing again, getting rid of tipping and just start charging us more for our food. And I mean, that's another conversation. Okay, we have one more topic. Let's just jump on to that because today is Black Friday. And I don't know when Black Friday became a thing in Canada because we have Boxing Day, but some years ago, it, we got started getting the Black Friday creep. And now that Black Friday creep has creeped into like end of October, beginning of November. And now it's finally upon us. Sharon, do you care? Are you are you pinching your pennies because we may be on the verge of a recession or are were you standing in line outside a store this morning? This is my time to shine, guys. Like this is truly my time to shine. <laughs> I am single hand I am single handedly gonna make sure that the economy is in, in full stimulus by my shopping on Black Friday. I have been watching my house camera all day to see the packages just rolling in um, oh. and piling up. Okay, outside. you sound like a you should be Cyber Mondaying. Are you big on the Cyber Monday? I'm I'm big on any any day of the week when it comes to shopping. So yes, yeah. I will. I'll do them today. I'll do it today. I did it yesterday. I did it the week before that. I'll do it. Like anyone who knows me or has to live with me knows that the day when it's recycling day outside is is a nightmare because the number of boxes that get delivered to my house every day. But uh, uh, listen, I'm I'm fortunate enough that I can um, indulge into things that I need to. I know not, not everyone is able to do that, but um, mm -hmm. I I for one would like to just offer my uh, my ability to help stimulate. It's the funny economy. because <laughs> quick funny story. I I don't know if my mom's listening, but she called yesterday because she she was looking for Christmas ideas for our kids, and she went to Walmart and she was personally offended that something was not going on sale until today, Black Friday. So there was only one one thing left that was in this flyer. And so she hid it so that nobody else would find it. And then she went back this morning and got it. Rob, were you lined up outside of Best Buy or EB Games or whatever the kids are calling it today? I need your mom to, to help me with my shopping. Um, no, I, I, but I am, you know, this afternoon, I am going to uh, walk down to Queen Street and uh, here in Toronto and get some sunglasses that are 50% off. So that's pretty good. Beauty. It's not a really... A, it's not really sunglasses season, but I, I can't resist a good bargain. I, I'm, I'm like Sharon. I think that I, 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 I do, though, wonder, like, why Black Friday is suddenly a thing. Because I, it I wasn't a thing a few years ago in Canada, and now it is. It's everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of, it, next thing you know, we're going to be celebrating U.S. Thanksgiving, too, which is odd. But um, well, we kind uh, of do. That's why yeah, we have Black I, Friday. I know. I know. It's, weirdest, it's the weirdest thing. Because Boxing Day is the thing. So now we have two sales. We have Black Friday. And we have Boxing Day. This is what's so great about Canada. The best of the best of the UK and the best of the US, I guess. There was, there was a CP24 reporter yesterday tweeting out how she was marching in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. Okay, you guys, we are coming to the end of the show. I want to give a huge thanks, obviously, to our panelists, Robert Benzi and Sharon Carr. You guys were absolutely delightful. And Rob, I should point out that Jim has sent me another text saying <laughs> that Robert is great as well. So just in case you were, you know, he paid him to say that. <laughs> thanks, to, thanks to our amazing producer, Sam, and our amazing technical producer, Tony. Thanks to our listeners. I'm Tamara Cherry. Peace out.